Hello and welcome to the Mindful Commerce Podcast, a place where we talk to e-commerce brands, service providers and developers who care about protecting our planet. I'm Chrissy, And I'm Rich and we're your hosts. The podcast is an extension of the Mindful Commerce community. The Mindful Commerce community is a safe place for e-commerce brands and experts to connect, collaborate and explore opportunities to work together to unleash the power of e-commerce as a force for good. You can join by going to mindfulcommerce.io and clicking community. See you there. Today, we are talking to Adam, who is the CEO and co-founder of Blend Commerce, a Shopify agency specializing in turning ideas into reality. Blend are driven by success with a mission to help Shopify entrepreneurs achieve significant and sustainable growth. I love Blend Commerce's motto, which is clarify, create and convert, which we will go into more detail on in the show. So hello, Adam. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Chrissy. Thanks for having me. Really pleased to be on here. Good, good. That's great. Always nice to hear that you're pleased to be on the podcast. Um, so do you want to start by just telling us a bit about um, how Blend Commerce came about? So I believe you're running it with your brother-in-law, which is interesting. Yeah, so shout out to anyone else who's, who's in business with their family because it's, uh, it's good and it's, it's hard <laughs> at times. <laughs> but um, yeah, just to, to tell you a little bit about how it came about. So my business partner, Peter, who uh, is also my brother-in-law, um, he started out developing Shopify stores probably about seven or eight years ago. And we'd always kind of talked about going to business together. And he was banging on about Shopify and how it was this great thing that was allowing people to have e-commerce stores. And there were all these people in the US and Canada that were building out these stores and making, you know, really good money from it. And I just kind of brushed it aside and said, yeah, whatever, you know, like it's just another fad. You know, people already, already use Magento for e-commerce. I was actually managing any, a Magento store at the time, and I just I didn't really kind of think much of it. Um, and then kind of probably about a year into developing, it really started to pick up. And Shopify, I think, kind of started becoming more of kind of a mainstream lexicon. And, you know, when I kind of looked at it, you know, having the fact that I was actually owning a Magento store at the time, I started realizing what the opportunity was. And Basically, what happened is that I was a sales and marketing director for an educational app company. And we've been talking about this idea of going to business. We said, look, I've worked with agencies before. And what really annoys me about agencies is that I can't get everything that I need done under one roof. And because I come from marketing, Peter come from development, that's how we kind of count the idea with blend commerce, because it was the idea that you were blending both development and marketing in one so that's kind of where the, the cheesy cheesiness of blend comes in um but basically you know we, we that's something that's going to stay with us is that we now are trying to be that on-demand digital department for companies yeah. um because you know look a lot of growing businesses they think about recruiting but actually trying to recruit you know a developer a designer a marketer there's a lot of costs with that there's a lot of headache in that and basically we just come on, you know, essentially as that automatic department that you can then talk to and get everything you need from one team. So yeah, that's, that's how we came, came about. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> it's like blending your two brains together as well. So not just your creativity from the marketing side, but also 
like the geeky techie side as well which is perfect and yeah it's such such a headache like trying to find all the unicorns in the world isn't it so if they're all in one place that's perfect um and so I recently saw that you went through a bit of a rebrand and um a new website so if you want to talk a bit about that that'd be cool yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, look, we, we're, you know, not unlike any, any other business, you know, when you start out, I think you, you imagine what you think your business should be like, and it always gets to a point, and we get this with our own clients, they go, look, actually, what we were pretending to be or what we were aiming to be initially is not actually what we are. And we've kind of been through a few different versions of website now. The first ever website that we did, it was very copy heavy. It was very tongue in cheek, um, a little bit rude sometimes. And that was kind of like, you know, our take at the time that we wanted to be very different. But the problem is that people didn't really kind of take us that seriously. And we got some really good clients, but I think a lot of people couldn't see through the fact that we were very jokey. You know, we had a lot of memes on our site and it, it just didn't really kind of fit in with the kind of customers that we were working with. Um, Fast forward on, I think, coming out two years after we launched your initial site, we then um, sort of started obsessing about this. Um, it was actually a financial services company. They got this really cool looking black and green thing. And we decided that we wanted to have that. But again, you know, look, we are, you know, I'm not saying we're the average Joes of the Shopify world, but we're, we're definitely, you know, a, a company that values each other. Um, and you know a company that has got a very strong team mentality and the kind of the very start black and green was trying to be a little bit too for, too cool for school and, and that just wasn't us so we actually went for a process with our head of design Stefan um, to look at our different brand archetypes now if you're not familiar with brand archetypes have a look on our website blendcommerce.com it's a really great blog in there and essentially what brand archetypes are is looking at different parts of your company as a personality and while going through quite an in-depth process of working out exactly who we are and what we wanted to be, we landed on that we were, and, and our types are, the everyman, the sage, and the hero. Um, and you can kind of look at that a little bit like thing like an aeroplane. So the hero is the body, and then we're tipped on the wing by the everyman, and then the other side of the sage. And I won't go into too much detail on that, but when you look at our site, and if you understand archetypes, hopefully you'll see that that's what we're looking for. And you know, that was the main purpose of going through that rebrand because we wanted to make sure that people see us as that helpful, um, you know, uh, honest and really kind of, you know, direct company that is going to help people rather than, you know, kind of putting up the, the typical kind of very skinny looking site that's, that's very flashy and has got big brand names all over it. Mm -hmm. that, that really isn't us. So we wanted to make sure it kind of reflected what we do as a company. And I think the other thing as well, Chrissy, is that our site is also on Shopify and always has been, always will be. Um, you know, ultimately, look, you know, Shopify wasn't made for, for service-based businesses, but there's definitely a capability of doing it. And we want to show with our own website. So some of the things that are possible with a Shopify store. That's so cool. And do you um, say, for example, when you do win a client, do you... Um do the payment system through Shopify or is it just purely for, you know, like a front end website? <laughs> yeah. So we, we actually used to sell our services through, through Shop, the Shopify um, payment system. Um, we're going to be bringing in more kind of productized services in the next 12 months. So we'll go back to using Shopify for that. But in, in terms of, you know, larger scale projects, 
we do do that exam at the moment. Mm, yeah, probably makes more sense. Um, and so did you notice a difference in the um, types of clients that you were attracting after you um, did do the rebrand? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you know, the, the thing was, is that we also, with the rebrand, we also made sure that our tone of voice was right. And, and obviously you'll, you'll know a lot more on this than I do, but <laughs> I think that was the thing is making sure that we were talking in the right way to our customers. And that was you know, also things like podcasts that were on. It was also things like social media, just trying to make sure everything was aligned. Um, and I think you know, as a result of that, we've definitely seen the kind of clients that we're looking for, which you know, we work best really with clients that are kind of doing 100K a month plus, or maybe just below that. Um, yeah. So helping us to get in front of those type of people was a big part of that rebrand. So yeah, it, it definitely has made a big difference. That's so cool. Did you, did you, um, so the guy that you went through that process with, was he kind of like helping you to understand who your customers are and like the way that you want them to feel? Was that part of the process as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, we were actually, uh, Stefan, uh, our head of design delivery, he actually came in at a great time because we were looking to do this and we actually tasked this to Stefan as his first, first project. So you didn't kind of have that issue you've got, you know, where usually in a company, if you've been in a company over six months, you kind of get a little bit blinkered in terms of, you know, what the company is really about. So Stefan came in with a real pair of sort of fresh eyes. So I think if you have an opportunity where someone is coming into your company, even if they're not a designer, I think it's always worth you talking to them and then getting their opinion of what they think you should actually be doing. Um, and obviously, if that's not possible, then, you know, kind of using someone external, I think is a really good move because what we would have resulted with, with me and Peter or me and the existing team coming out with, I know would have been a very different to what we've got actually today. Yeah, definitely. You're always like too close to your business to like really know um, what you're saying is actually, you know, um, making people think what you want them to think about your business, if that makes sense any sense um yeah, yeah that sounds really cool I, and it's a nice process to go through isn't it you're like you get clarity on who you are and the types of people that you want to work with one of my favorite things in business <laughs> um so let's move on slightly to your services so what are your core services at blend yeah, so the easiest way to think about it is that we offer something that we call the on-demand digital department. And what this means is that, look, if you're a business owner, it's likely that you are going to be facing a particular problem. So whether that is that you feel like your conversion rate's too low, um, you feel like actually you're not selling in the right markets, um, you are perhaps you know, at a point where your, your conversion rate, your average order value stagnated, and I think the thing with that is with those problems, it's not just going to be that development is going to be one of the things that's going to help you sort that. What you're actually going to need is some strategy. You're going to need some design work. You need some development work and you're going to need some marketing work. So the way that we offer our services that basically when you work with us, we are actually going to take a look at your business first and say, right, number one, what's the problem? Secondly, what are the things that we think need to be done? And thirdly, in what order they need to be done in. And off the back of that then, what we then do is say, look, you're going to need this amount of time from development, this amount of time from design, this amount of time from marketing to do these things. 
we'll then set a goal which will be related around solving that problem and then we'll just keep on reviewing that so you know we don't kind of you know now go down the route of kind of doing sort of large projects we prefer to actually kind of say to kind of look let's solve the here and now issues and then let's build on that from the growth and i think you know if you if you kind of look at that as a model it is slightly different to what a lot of their agencies do but i think you know, the thing for us is that look if you know, i always talk about an example you know a few years ago i bought a very nice flashy car and when I bought it, I went into the garage and I asked for all the additional bells and whistles. So all the tech in there, the heated seats, all that jazz. I think after a month, what I realized is that I probably used about 10% of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it started to frustrate me that I'd paid all this extra money for a sat-nav when the sat-nav was crap and I could have used my phone. <laughs> and I think you know, if you think about a website, it's exactly the same thing. You know, ultimately when you're, you're having a website, you want it to get from A to B. So if you focus on solving that core problem that you've got, which is, it might be low conversion rate, so that's your A to B, as time goes on and you get more data and you've experienced using that site, you can then work out what bells and whistles you do need to actually add. And that's kind of the, the, the way that we kind of work as a company is that we'll kind of have that time to sort of get settled in and then we'll add the things that we actually do need to add rather than just going for all the add-ons from the immediate point. Yeah, that's so nice and probably less overwhelming as well because even so with the mindful commerce directory, um, we found it really hard to give our developers like and designers the exact thing that we wanted straight away because we, we were like, oh, I don't know until we've got like just something launched like an MVP site to then go, oh, it'd be really handy to have this, this and this. And like, yeah, so to start off small and have one goal, um, that's really nice. I like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the bit at the beginning where you set your goals, um, I don't know, it's just a really nice, <laughs> you like wake up every morning and go, right, how am I going to work on this with whoever I'm working with um, to reach that goal? Um, so I guess that's part of, clarify which is like what are the goals that we're going to work towards and then right how are we going to create it and then convert so um how does that process work um so if i was a one of your clients um, yeah definitely i mean the clarify create convert we just kind of felt sort of summarize exactly what we do so the initial call you know that we tend to have with clients is is all about clarifying look what exactly is the problem? And I think you know, the interesting thing is that when, when you look at a problem, you know, typically clients can say, look, we don't feel like we're selling enough. But when you drill down to that, what you're actually finding is that, look, you know, they're, what they're really saying to you is, we have this product that we thought was going to be an absolute winner, and it's not selling in the way that we thought it was, but we do have other products that are selling well. So rather than actually saying, well, look, let's try and fix that, that product that we thought was going to sell better. Let's ramp up on the product that is not selling or is selling very well, but is not maybe kind of the sexy product that you wanted to sell and then get your growth in that way. So I think that clarification process is kind of like flipping the mindset a little bit here of saying, look, what actually can we change and what is the real problem? So I think that's the first thing. The, the next thing then in terms of the create is to say, well, look, we've got the problem, we know the cause of that problem, and now we actually need to start putting in things into place that are going to actually change that situation. 
And, you know, this is, again, is that big part of, look, we don't want to necessarily go in and change everything overnight. But what we do want to do is make some smaller changes to see then if we can get to that convert point. And then basically, we're just going to loop that process around again. So we've had three months, we clarified it, we created something, we converted. Now let's go again and say, look, what are the problems now? So it might be that once you've done that change to the site, so maybe you've got you know, new landing pages, what we're finding out now is actually the email sign-up rate on those pages is not as high as we need it to be because we know that email, for example, is a very good sales channel. So again, starting that process again. And it's these kind of small iterative changes that are going to get you beyond that threshold of that 100K a month. And I think that's where you know a lot of our clients get a little bit sticky because we always tend to see there's a little bit of stagnation sort of 80 to sort of 110K a month. But once you can get beyond that, then actually that route to 500K a month is actually a lot smoother. Oh my God, I love it. I love how you talk through that, it's so nice. I bet you're really good at sales. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do sales anymore, oh. <laughs> too much. <laughs> but I think, yeah, look, the, the, the reason it, it, it sounds quite polished when I say it to honest you, but, it's something that we've been doing a lot of work on, Chrissy. And, mm. you know, I would definitely recommend if anyone has ever seen them by Simon Sinek, um, you know, the why. It, it's a little bit cliche, I suppose, in a way that, you know, it gets talked about. But um, a few months ago, um, me and my business partner actually did a, a very short workshop with, with Team Simon. So uh, I think it was about $29, so super cheap. Um, but what it did is it helped us get our why. And what we did with that is that we then translated that into the why for our company. And by having that, we've kind of got this thing that we say, look, when we're doing something, does it align with that reason of why we get out of bed in the morning? And if it doesn't, then let's not do it. So I think that's kind of why, you know, I know it probably sounds like I've got a lot of conviction to it. And I do, because I do believe it. And I see how the things that we're doing align to that particular why. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. <laughs> What's the, is that the guy that wrote the book and it's like in blue writing, it's like, what is your why? Literally. Yes. Yes. Okay. What, what's the name? What's so his name? It's Simon Sinek. So S-I-N-E-A, uh, sorry, S-I-N-E-K. Um, but there's, there's kind of a five minute version of his very famous Ted talk where he talks about the why, the what, and the how. Mm. And, Sorry, the why, the how, and the what. So, you know, what he says is that, look, a lot of people are very good at explaining what they do. So if you go to a party or networking event, you know, if someone says to me, look, what do you do? Well, it's very easy. You know, I'm a CEO of a Shopify agency based in Warwickshire. Well, frankly, who cares? Um, but if I said to someone, look, what I want to do is that my why is that I want to inspire people so that actually everyone can achieve what they're capable of. Then if you get a few more raised eyebrows, well, what do you mean by that? And that, that's actually my why. So if you kind of have that as, as your kind of your center point, not only can it then kind of generate better conversations face-to-face, -face, but also marketing, but also then makes you a lot easier to then differentiate yourself from other people. Um, and that's kind of the, the big piece of work that we've tried to do, both as individuals, but also as a company. Wow, I love that. And is your why as an individual the same as your why in business? So we've, we've basically got two very different people ahead of our company, me and Peter. And um, we're also very big into this thing called insights profiles, which basically looks at how you as a person, your personality 
aligns to particular colors, which represent different moods and activities and things that you do. So you can read more about the insights profiles, but I think times you look, me and Peter are very different. Now, Peter's why um, is more about um, being able to, so Peter's is to solve problems quickly to empower people to work rapidly. So his is quite different to mine. But what we've done is that we're working on a company wide at the moment, which is we're kind of there, I think. Um, but we're changing it slightly because as more team members come in, we want to make sure that our company wide is aligned. So it needs to be something where everyone can feel in the company that they're part of this and that that wire is reflective of what people actually get out of bed in the morning for. But equally, we can convert that into something that clients can then actually say, yes, I want to work with these guys for that reason. Yeah, because then they're aligned, hopefully, with your why. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd recommend, you know, look, doing a session as a team. You know, we did one with our team probably about three months ago. And what's very interesting with it is that, you know, look, the key thing that came out of our session on the why with the team was that all of us had been in a situation in our lives where someone had told us that either we weren't good enough, we couldn't do something, or we weren't allowed to do something. And that was kind of a common theme that was coming across from everyone. So for me, you know, it was the fact that, you know, when I was at school, I was in a careers lesson and my teacher leaned over my shoulder and he was, I was looking at Accenture, which is a managed consultancy company. And he said, oh, Adam, are they only probably the best people there? And uh, from that point at 16, I was like, right, screw you. I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, and I did. Um, and a lot of people had similar stories where the parents, colleagues, friends, family had told them that they couldn't do something, weren't allowed to do something, and they wouldn't prove them wrong. And that's kind of where we're going with our company-wise. Look, if you've been in that situation where you faced, you know, kind of, I guess, adversity or, or, or people trying to put a roadblocks to where you want to be, then actually we're a great company to work with because we've experienced that and we know how to move past those roadblocks. And I think, you know, that's kind of the similar thing that clients have is that they get to a certain level and they think, look, actually, for me, the market is telling me that we can't go any further. Well, actually, screw that. You can. You've just got to work out different ways of how to get there. So that's kind of how we, we kind of aligned our whys. You know what? That's amazing. And that's literally touched <laughs> because I don't know if you have listened to it. Probably not. But I um, recently published an episode, just like a bonus random one talking about like my experiences, like why did I end up in business? And it was actually, well, I think it's because in school I had a bit of a shit time and had people telling me, you can't do that. You're like worthless. You're this, you're that. And it's like, I actually can. <laughs> and exactly. now my why is to inspire other people to like, yeah, just follow their dreams and do what they want to do because they can. And um, one of the reasons why I love Shopify is because it gives lots of people in different situations access to business. And yeah, I just, just completely push. agree. It's and I think yeah, that's, that's what I love about it too, Christy, because I think the nice thing is with Shopify is that it, look, most industries are, what, 50, 100, 200 years old, for example. You talk about an industry here that, you know, in effect is, is less than 15 years old. Mm -hmm. You haven't got the old boys club that you get in finance, you know, management consultancy where I used to work. You haven't got the old boys club that you've got in teaching, again, an industry that I used to be in. Mm -hmm. So 
everyone's got that opportunity to not feel like they're being judged. And you don't get, I think, we all get imposter syndrome, I agree, but I don't think it's as prevalent in Shopify because we are all new to this industry. It's a new thing that we're doing and we've all got a damn good right to be here. So yeah, I, I completely agree on that front. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't expect you to like bring that up. So I was like, oh, what a great <laughs> little, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, nice. Um, totally, totally agree. And I actually also love like um, Toby's little story, you know, snowboarding and stuff. And then I can relate to that about surfing Absolutely. and whatever. Like it's just um, also giving people freedom um, and yeah, like you said, it's like we're, we're all in this at the beginning of something, even though I still get massive imposter syndrome, but it's finding your niche within it anyway. And then exactly um, telling the world. <laughs> uh, um, so I need to like take that in. Um, so going back to um, your process to kind of getting clients beyond the 100k a month threshold um do you want to like just talk about how you have helped any particular clients to do that and what that looked like yeah certainly um i mean like i said before typically speaking you know when we work with a client they've got a particular problem that they're, they're trying to solve and you know a, a couple of different examples you know one is that we we had a there's a company called GWS that we work with who are a clothing brand who are based out in Canada. And you know, the main thing for them is that, look, they were seeing that their sales started to stagnate. And the, the reason for that is because that the, you know, they had a very strong customer base. But what was happening is that those existing customers were stopping buying at the rate they were before. So trying to you know, sort of acquire new customers, of course, is costly. And then the profitability of your sales is then going to go down. So... The main thing that we focused on with them is, is really twofold. One is that, first of all, they hadn't refreshed their website for a, a very long period of time. And also, because they had brick and mortar stores, there wasn't this alignment with the brick and mortar stores and the online shop. And a lot of people were kind of you know, shopping in store and online. Or if they, we have, they have a lot of tourists who come in and shop in store and they continue to shop when they're back home. So... The main thing for them was that we needed to do a redesign of the store. And it wasn't about, you know, basically fundamentally changing, you know, what was happening on site. The first step was actually we just need to make sure that the brand looked the same consistently through the store and both actually having some alignment with the brick and mortar store. The second thing was that on their email marketing front, they again need to do the same piece of work there. So those are basically the, the two key things that we did. And what basically happened with those guys is that, you know, I think it was uh, after three months, they kind of increased their sales by, I think, 45%. So, it, you know, it, it had you know, the impact that they wanted. And now we're still working with those guys to basically say, right, we've got the actual branding right now. People are interacting better. But what can we do to actually push them to sell more? So I think you know, that's kind of you know, a good example there of, look, well, you've got an issue. You're using two different mechanisms to actually change it. You're looking at the conversion and then right we're back at that clarify point. And I think, you know, each time it's like, it, it's not just necessarily about, you know, a lot of people think that agencies look, just go and do a redesign, for example. It's not just about that. You know, there's a lot of things you know, that I, I can't really share with you about particular clients that we do, 
but it goes a lot further than the actual online store. You know, it, it can be about internal relationships, you know, within members of staff, members of the team. It can be about delivery processes. It can be about, you know, taxation issues, all these things that we're not experts on, but if we can identify it and then we can put them in touch with someone who can help them, then actually that then does have a trickle down effect to their sales. Because if you've got a situation where, you know, two members of your leadership team aren't necessarily seeing eye to eye, but we can come in and actually, by going through the process of working with you, get you help you to work better. There's a lot of kind of, you know, I guess, unexpected changes that happen when clients work with us, but ultimately they trickle down to the bottom line. So, you know, I think that's the important thing to know here is that from, from my point of view, when you work with an agency, ultimately they should be looking at you as a business and not just a website. Um, and I think that's the kind of, you know, the, the thing that a lot of clients like is that the website is just actually an asset. It, it's not their business. You know, so there's a lot of things that go behind that website that are really important to try and tackle as well. That's so true. Cool. I've never heard of an agency doing that, actually. But obviously, I, um, the Shopify partnerships um, is really valuable as an agency because you can do that um, as long as they live up to what they say that they're going to do because then obviously it'll come back to you if not and then and then if you know that helps to grow your client's business and they'll eventually come back to you anyway (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so that's interesting um I just wanted I was just thinking about you know the client that you mentioned that um you sorted out the website and the branding and then I think you mentioned email so um, how do you tend to get potential customers from the website onto their email list and then kind of sell stuff through email? Yeah, good question. Um, I mean, the, the thing at the moment for us and the thing that I just absolutely love um, is a product called Octane AI Shop Quiz. Mm-hmm. And what this does is that you can actually have on your site um, a quiz that will ask that person a set number of questions that you want to ask them. So when you think about quiz, you know, I know we always probably think, oh, okay, you're talking about like the Facebook quizzes where you work out what Disney character you are. Yeah. I'm not talking about that, but the principle, I guess, is the same in that, let's say, for example, you're, uh, let's say you're a beauty brand, for example. And if you can ask them a series of questions about their skin type, their age, their lifestyle, and then also ask for their email address, what you can do is then recommend them a particular number of products that you think they should buy there and then on the site. But what you've also done is you've collected that data. Now we use Clavio with all of our clients and because you can integrate Octane AI Shop Quiz with Clavio, all of that data then gets stored on that person's profile. So let's say for example, Chris, you know, you, you complete that on my beauty store. Um, I find out about your skin type, your age group, uh, your lifestyle. If you buy when you complete that quiz, great. If you don't buy, no problem, because I've collected a lot of data about you that I can then personalize that email marketing to you. So it might be that, look, you know, maybe, for example, you're telling me you've got dry skin. So I'm going to send you an email that says, here's three great products for um, you know, making sure that you get more moisture into your skin. Mm. Personalize without kind of feeling like, hi, Chrissy, you must buy these products, which, you know, <laughs> A lot of people do that doesn't really work. So I think, yeah, in terms of, of getting people to sign up, that is my hot tip for the moment, certainly. That is so cool. I love it. 
uh, can you do that for a normal website? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to ask you, Christy, like I, I've actually been talking about using it for our own website and that, look, you know, let's say, I mean, you know, the same for you. You know, if, if we were looking, you know, at, let's say, for example, someone wanted to join the mindful commerce community, mm-hmm. you could create a quiz that would basically ask a series of questions that would assess if they were a good fit or not. <gasps> if, if they were a good fit, you could then recommend them to apply. If they weren't a good fit, you could say, please join our waiting list. Uh, you know, and kind of go through that way. So that that would be a way I would say to use it for you. Oh my god, I'm sold. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But I was also thinking, like, you know, if I'm a a brand, I'm a sustainable brand. You could ask, like, what are your values? So, um, what's important to you? Are you vegan? Do you need, um, I don't know, plastic free? Um, like that could be the quiz. Absolutely. Oh my God. Like, like the quiz could be, what do you care about? And then, and then, oh, that's just great. They can just personalize everything. And then that's not spammy. Well, you would think it's less spammy because it's actually interesting to that person who's reading the email. No, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. I think the other thing as well you can do with it is that, you know, if you were looking at it from that, if you, you know, you were a sustainable brand, um and you want you know people were kind of interested in different paths so maybe you know if we were talking about look you know environmentalism sustainability mindfulness Mm -hmm. if you then were selecting that actually you were interested in those different things you could then send a guide or a pdf or an ebook related to each one of those different streams Mm -hmm. as a result of completing that particular quiz so yeah i think there's a there's a bag load of opportunities with that Oh, I love it. I literally want to put it in my search bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> How much is it? Oh, just interested. Um, I believe it starts at $29 a month. Um, and then I think there is, if you convert someone to a sale, I think there's like a, it, it's literally cents they charge you for each conversion. Oh. And then you can go right to like an enterprise plan, which I think is, yeah, sort of probably into the, the, the high hundreds. Nice. I heard the um, clubhouse. I was on clubhouse last night at 10 p.m. And, <laughs> <laughs> like in bed. And I think, or was it 11? I don't know. It was really late. Anyway, the Octane AI CEO was talking. It was really interesting. I loved it. Um, so now, now they're just in my head. I'm going to have to <laughs> probably invest in them. Um, Definitely worth having a, um, having a listen to Ben Parr. Um, who's their president. Um, and then there's also Matt Schlitt as well, who's their CEO. So two people definitely worth following. Yeah, I think that was the guy. I think it was Matt. Or maybe it was both of them. Um, anyway. <laughs> so are there some pointers that you would give to those who aren't quite on the 100K mark? Um, is there anything that they can kind of do in-house apart from Octane AI and um, Clavio? that can kind of get them to the 100K and then maybe they'll work with you? Yeah, I mean, to answer with you, the, the biggest question that people ask me is, look, I've got X amount of money. What should I spend it on? And nine times out of 10, if you're not going to be working with an agency, I would say photography. Ooh. It's one of those things that honestly is one of the biggest reasons, A, um, for slowing down sites. So the mistake that some people make is they'll go out and they'll source a photographer they'll then put these huge high-res images on the site and they'll see their conversion rate goes down. They're saying, well, hang on, what's going on here? And the reason will be is because those images are too large. Mm -hmm. So 
first things first, think, look, everyone who's listening, if you do have a Shopify store, go and check your site speed. And if it is poor, use one of the many free tools that are out there that you can use to actually reduce the size of your images. But if you've got images, you know, where they're different sizes, you've got different backgrounds, you haven't maybe got consistent angles on all of your images, all these things are a real turn up. There's been a lot of studies done, you know, real kind of, you know, in-depth white papers produced on this. And photography is always one of the things that has an impact. So if you're able to pay for some decent photography, then I would say definitely it's worth doing that. Um, I think the other thing too is that, you know, if, if you are, if you're trying to drive that traffic and you haven't got a lot of cash at the moment, try and use things like Facebook groups because they really can be a really fantastic way of not only driving people to your site, but also as well, a lot of market research. So we have a, a, co a company that we work with that actually sells candle making supplies. And the very first thing we did with them is that we set up a Facebook group, which is all about candle making in the UK. And what we saw from that is that we learned straight away what kind of products people were interested in. We understood what problems they were going through. We understand what they didn't like about the competition. So all of that was a really good thing to do. And look, you know, starting a Facebook group is, is easy to do. You know, it will take time to build, you know, a community up around it. But if you are low on cash, that's a great way to work out what you need to do next. It will give you that roadmap you need to grow. Completely agree. On, on the photography side, oh my God, I, it's the worst. Like if somebody's got terrible imagery um and it's all like different sizes and higgledy piggledy i'll like click off straight away but also one thing i was thinking then is um with photography and photos and um resolution if you lower the res it not only um increases site speed but it uh reduces your impact on the planet because you're taking less energy and yeah, I talk about this all the time, but it's just, you'll basically solve your site speed and also help the planet. <laughs> um, and with the community thing, of course, I totally agree. And um, yeah, they can as well join communities. You know, there's tons out there like um, EcoPod um, and also at Mindful Commerce, we're going to build a, a second directory that will have, it's like completely free that brands can get listed and stuff like that. So yeah, there's so much out there, but that was really good tips from you. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> um, so have you worked with any brands who are trying to be better for the planet? And if so, what were those projects like? Yeah, definitely. So um, there's one I want to talk to you about in particular um, with um, a company that actually um but they sell basically supplies um to to a particular hobby i don't want to kind of say too much because i don't want to sort of give give too much away here but the issue they're facing was that look the owner of the company was very i think cognizant about packaging and he was seeing what amazon were doing in terms of sending out these huge boxes very small products inside and sometimes you know three or four levels of packaging within that and with his company, you know, he wanted to bring down the cost of shipping um, for his customers, but he also wanted to reduce actually the amount of wastage and his carbon footprint with each of that shipping. Now, one of the things that we were very 
you know, keen on doing them, saying, look, how do we basically indicate to someone that when they purchase something, they're not doing this in a very sustainable way because of the way that that product needs to be packed? So we actually built them a tool that would allow people to build a box so that they could actually visually see the space that was left in that box. So by doing that, you know, if, if you're there and you're saying, well, look, you know, and BrewDog do this very well. So if you go and order beer from BrewDog, if I put um, six cans of my favorite beer in there, they're actually going to show you on the screen that your crate, your box has still got six spaces in. So psychologically, that's quite powerful because you say, well, okay, actually, I'm, I'm being a bit wasteful here. I could actually get more in there and rather than waste that space. So actually, in, also with that, they also do a downsell on it where they recommend that you buy less so that actually you're reducing the amount of waste in terms of packaging. So I think that's that's kind of a project that we've been really pleased with. And another one, we're doing actually something similar with another brand about just being more efficient with that packaging. So I think that's, that's an important one. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. And, yeah. and one thing that I just thought of then is, you know, if you've got a brick and mortar store as well, if you can, um, and, and, you know, you've put things on the shelves, if you could make your packaging um, ready to be shipped, if that makes sense. So it's already like in a box or in whatever. And um, yeah, you, oh, I don't know if I'm making sense here. <laughs> well, I think you just, you, what I think what you're saying, you know, is that look, if you, you don't then have to completely repackage or repurpose your product, if you've yeah. got a store, then it, it, it makes sense from an operations point of view, from a sustainability point of view, from a cost point of view. It's got to be ready to go, and I think that that's exactly the right thing to do. Yeah, and 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 that's actually really cool of Brewdog to do that. And also, I was thinking, oh, I've got six more, like room for six more. Oh, okay, and then you end up, but then does that increase how much you buy? So it would increase average order value as well. Um, but then you said that they encourage you to buy less, which was quite interesting. Mm. I mean, you know, I think that's the thing, you know, it, like on the one hand, you know, you, you could say, well, look, you're increasing your carbon footprint by ordering more products, but it also depends on what products. You, I mean, like BrewDog, for example, you know, they're carbon, I think they're even carbon negative now, mm. if definitely carbon neutral. But if you then got an associated carbon footprint with that delivery, then actually, as a proportion level, you're actually being better because you're then not going to have then another order on top of that to then give the extra that you would have ordered in a second order. So I think there's, it, it kind of depends on the way you look at it, but it, yeah, it, it's kind of win-win, you know, from an environmental point of view, but but also from a, a sales and, and business growth point of view as well. Definitely. Cool. Love it. Um, um, I was super excited to see that you had read The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Um, so, like, I personally get stuck in my work zone and I can't get out of it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to not work as much and, like, give myself time outside for doing nice things and spend time with my friends. So, yeah. Um, have you experienced burnout before? And is this a way that you were hoping to combat that? Or... Yeah, no, I mean, so look, 
100% experience burnout. Um, and I think you know, the, the thing is, it's like with the four hour work week book, I'm nowhere near a four hour work week um, at the moment. <laughs> um, what I have done is though, that I, we only now work Monday to Thursday. So I'm getting close to it. And that, that's basically my business partner. But I think the, the main thing that that book taught me is that actually, if you can put structures into the way that you work, you can work a heck of a lot more efficiently. So for example, one of the things he talks about in the book is, you know, checking your emails twice or three times a day. Mm-hmm. We've all been guilty, you know, of, of opening up your laptop at eight, nine o'clock in the morning, spending 45 minutes responding to emails then feeling tired and getting a coffee mm-hmm. and then basically killing that morning thing. And I think you know, the thing is like, I always now, like the one thing I got from the book is that I also do this eat the frog thing where you go and do your biggest task of the day, the first thing. So I generally work from quarter past seven in the morning uh, till half past four in the afternoon. From quarter past seven to half past eight, I'm smashing something out that I need to do. Like I did this one, I need to do a, a finance analysis this morning on the business. I've done that, it's out of the way, it's in my belt. Mm-hmm. Then I can go and check email. And the thing is, because you feel like you've accomplished something, you're also then more efficient with your time. So I think that's kind of the one side of it. So in terms of burnout, um, I don't mind admitting that I, I still suffer from depression. Um, I, I've medicated for depression for probably about four years, um, along with kind of a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and I think you know the, the thing is with this is that you know, a lot of the, the mental health issues that I had were exacerbated by burnout, but, but obviously not the root cause of it. And I think, you know, I'd say that, look, if anyone is listening, number one, if you ever want to talk about mental health to me, find me on LinkedIn, absolutely would love to talk to you about it and, and tell you about some of the coping strategies that I've, I've used and continue to use. But also I think having that awareness that it is actually something that's real mm-hmm. and not like you're being a flake which is how, you know, some people will, will tell you if you've experienced burnout. Um, and, and I think you know, the thing is, it's like everyone will have something that indicates when they're burning out. And it might be the fact that you're not sleeping as much. It might be the fact that you're not being able to make decisions. You know, so look around at those warning signs. And if it gets to that point, then literally take a step back. Because ultimately... Mm-hmm wherever your business is now, wherever your job is right now, wherever it is, you know, the, the thing that you're doing, it can stay at that place for the time being. It doesn't need to be pushing forward and you're not going to lose where you are and what you've achieved so far. So even if you do need to step away from it from a week, two weeks, a month, in my case, I basically had three months out to figure out what the hell I wanted to do in life. Wow. Um, when I had my, my big, I would say sort of meltdown. Um, but after that point, you can pick up on those things that you've done. So, you know, I, I don't think it's that case that you think, look, I've got to get over it. If you are at that point where you're just saying, look, my mind is just devoid of ideas. I'm not enjoying anything. You know, I'm not taking any benefit from anything that I'm doing. Then just step back from it and just kind of, you know, say, right, what are the things that truly make me happy? What are the things that, that really don't make me happy? Um, and I actually did this one because I... I I actually had a, I would I'd say basically kind of a, a breakdown when I was a teacher. Um, I, I just completely, yeah, just was um, was was in bed, in tears, in a ball uh, for probably about a month. And when I got out of that process, that period, 
I actually got a piece of paper and I wrote down that piece of paper, the pros and the cons, the things that I liked and the things that I didn't like about my job, about my relationship, about my life, about my friendships. And I looked at all the things that I didn't, didn't like. And then what I did is I looked at that and said, well, look, is there a job where I can get all the things or more things that I like than I dislike? And what are the things that I dislike that I can actually remove from my life or I can actually make better? And, you know, as a result of that, certain relationships and friendships I had, I got rid of. Certain things that I did, I got rid of and never did again. Um, and certain things that I know that I need to start doing, I start doing. So, for example, running, exercising was a thing that I never did, that I now do religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps me with my mental health and avoid that burnout. So that would be, be my, my tip. That is amazing. Wow. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. No worries. And it's it's so it's also really brave to like talk about that kind of stuff. Um yeah, I normally whenever I um feel burnt out, I just can't do anything. I'll just sit on the sofa and just like I'm like just sat there going, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> um but then yeah, you just have to take a break. And that's what I'm trying to teach myself is to, like you said, take a step back and just think, you know, what am I, <laughs> what do I enjoy doing? And then just do more of that um, for a little bit. Like, so for me, I have to go surfing or just be in the sea um, and then come back to working when I feel um, positive again and my ideas are coming in my head again. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's really powerful. And how you said, you know, write down a list of all the things that you like doing and all the things you don't like doing. And then what can you get rid of or delegate, as Tim would probably say. Um, And yeah, love it. Um, So uh, do you think it's actually possible to reach a four hour work week? Good question. I mean, I... (laughs) I wonder, you know, whether actually it is possible because if if you, I think you know, delegation is something that I think I've learned to do better. I'm still not great at, you know, I just, I'm too much of a control freak. Yeah. Um, but ultimately that's going to be the thing that stops me from doing that. And I think the other thing is, it's like, for me, when I initially, you know, started thinking about this, that thought of the four hour work week was thinking, look, that's going to be amazing. But actually what I realized is that that's not actually what I want. And it might be that actually for you, it might be the same. Well, look, actually, I just want to work mornings or I want to work four days a week because I want to do this particular thing. So I think the main thing is like for us, like me and my business partner, Peter, two years ago, we both said, look, we would love to not work Fridays because at that time we were both expecting our, our wives were both expecting children and we said, wouldn't it be amazing? Well, they're not at school from, you know, from, from birth to four to be able on a Friday to then go out to the zoo for a day or go and do something fun with them or take them horse riding, wherever it might be. And that's kind of what we realized would make us happy to have more time with our, with our family. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it could be possible, but I also think there's no point putting that pressure on yourself to say, look, well, yeah, I've done what the book says because ultimately is that the thing that you really want to do and for me it's not you know I think I for if I was doing four hours a week I would just be a wreck yeah um, you know it's just 
sorry. No, after you. <laughs> if you just did four hours a week, you'd just be sat there itching, like, I need to work on that. Like, because you like what you do. It, that's why you choose to be in the business that you were in. Exactly. Um, um, but I really liked it when you said, you know, that progress that you've made isn't going to just go away. And you don't always have to be working towards the next thing and the next thing, <laughs> um, which is what my mind tells me quite a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I could do four hours a week either. No, no, no I think it would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, yeah, that was a... Um, I just love that book. But also there's books. Um, Rob Moore's written a book. Yes. I love that one. What's it called? Uh, I don't know. But again, he's he's very active in Clubhouse. So we're going to follow as well. Life Leverage, I think. Yes, that's it. Brilliant book. You should read it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we've covered quite a lot. Um, very conscious of your time. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock and... We did have technical difficulties at the beginning. Um, so I guess one final question would be, um, so I'm really excited that you are officially on the Mindful Commerce directory. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I approached you with this, what was it that you were the most excited about? I think the, the main thing is for me is that the way that you set this up, Chrissy, is the fact that it's not the, the around sustainability at the moment. The issue that we've got in the world is that there is a lot of shaming going on around not being sustainable. And what I liked about this is that you you're not basically saying with this directory that you have to be, you know, completely, you know, one hundred percent sustainability in everything that you do. What you're saying here is that let's start taking steps to be more sustainable and that's what kind of really appealed to me to and it's the same with me and my company look I feel like we are fairly sustainable in some things that we do you know we, we don't do travel we work remotely uh, all those kind of things but there's definitely things that we do buy for the company that aren't sustainable and that's fine like I'm not I'm not going to lie that we you know are 100% perfect but I think that's the thing here for brands and also for agencies that I, I feel that a lot of brands are scared about going down this route because they feel they have to be 100% focused towards being sustainable. Mm -hmm. And it's not the case. You can start small and start thinking about the actual impacts in your business. And it's not also about saying, look, you know, we've got to do all these things and it's going to cost us X much. It's actually about saying, look, you can be more sustainable and actually help yourself become more profitable, which is something I know that, you know, quite a few brands like Dr. Wills, for example, have found that sustainability has actually helped their bottom line as well. And I think that's when it starts becoming a bit more of a, a two-way conversation rather than kind of be dictated to like some of the other kind of discussion and discourse that's out there on sustainability. Mm, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think we just wanted to make it really open and just, to be more of like facilitating a conversation. And like you said, you definitely, there's no such thing as being 100% sustainable no. or, but there are things you can do, like small things that have a big impact or have a big difference um, in the world. Like, you know, even as simple as downloading Shopping Gives, which is an app that helps you to give back easily as a e-commerce brand. Um, and like you said, it then, 
comes back to your bottom line because your customers will have more trust and loyalty and yeah that's another episode <laughs> but um yeah I'm super excited that you're part of it and thank you no we really appreciate being part of it thank you you're welcome um actually this is my final question where can people find you yeah cool so if you want to connect with me on linkedin just adam pierce um, and if you want to find out more about blend commerce just go over to blendcommerce.com and uh, you'll find lots of different useful blogs on there you've got the one about brand archetypes that i mentioned um, you've got different things about shopify apps um, things about mental health a little blog that i've written recently so quite an eclectic blog over there so yeah go and take a look and uh, let me know what you think Perfect. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, thank you for your time today. It's been great. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you did, you'll probably like being in our community. There's a whole host of exciting things going on. So don't forget to join by going to mindfulcommerce.io. Click on community and register from there. If you like this episode, please share, leave a review and remember to subscribe.